You're listening to DraftKings Network. I think it was Luke Peristi who put out too, if you watch, like Tyler Mott actually positions that the broken stick that's on the ice. He actually like is keeps trying to position it to make it part of the penalty kill. Like I it's love hilarious. him. I, I love, I love him, I love him I as say, a player. He's an ami- oh, I thought we were talking about Luke. I'm like, he's a great follow on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I'm thrilled to be joined by birthday girl extraordinaire, TV star on the rise, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, first and foremost, we love you. Happy birthday. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. I'm gunning for your spot on the Kraken broadcast. Now I'm talking about Johnny Cash on the Kraken broadcast. So that's your advanced analytics for the day. That's, yes, this is 29. If you didn't see, uh, Sarah was on uh, Root Sports Northwest um, sharing her style rankings of the Kraken players with Piper Shaw. And that clip is out there on the internet and we'll put more of it out there on a daily basis just to make sure people see how awesome you are. Uh, We would not be too many men without the crafty, without the entrepreneurial, without the thumbhole wearing, ever talented Shayna Goldman from The Athletic. Shayna, say hi. 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 All right, friends. Well, we are here to discuss with you the goings-on in the hockey universe. And my goodness, has it been a busy time. I swear I feel like there's 206 games every day. I don't even know anymore. Um, But let's go through, starting with Sarah Sivian's favorite segment, Sarah. Bit-O News. It is Bit-O News time. (laughs) And unfortunately, we're going to start with... Some not happy bit o newses. Um, it was announced. Uh, there's a lot of announced. <laughs> Let's start um, with this. Darcy Kemper injured for Washington and Martin Faravari upper body injuries for both. Uh, Darcy Kemper has been a big, big, big part of that Washington team. Shayna, what's your take on the immediate impact for that group with these two players out? Can someone sage the arena? Can someone do something? (laughs) The injuries are wild this year. And for any team that needs a healthy streak because they are a little bit out of the playoff mix in the Metro right now, like they really could use some healthy bodies. And it felt like they were kind of getting it together. Like they played really well against Vancouver. And it's like, all right, maybe, maybe the Western trip is like the good vibes they need. It could go one way or the other. And Darcy Kemper is a huge loss. Charlie Lindgren's a good backup. And then Martin Ferrari, like, you just don't need any, you don't need any more injuries. You just need health. That's what you need. And they can't get it. Sarah, your thoughts on the wash on Washington's chances in the Metro now that they have two more players on an already uh, extremely long IR list. It's like one step forward, two steps back. Like, oh, she came back and was making a huge impact. And then the goalie is out. Like, it just sucks. I feel really bad. I can't. I like the no excuses train, but I feel like this is the one team that can use injuries as an excuse this year. Yes, them in Columbus, they are they are allowed to say uh, that they are just officially broken. Um, and speaking of Columbus, uh, today it was announced uh, Jake Voracek held a, a media availability, I think is what they're properly calling it, to say that due to uh, long-term concussion issues that he is out um, and that there is a tiny chance 
that he may be able to play this season, but he's not sure. And I want to make sure I get this quote right. Um, I believe it was from the uh, count of Aaron Portsline, but uh, Jake did share that in his career, let's see, he's had seven or eight, quote, documented concussions over his NHL career, adding, and then there are those little ones when you're not sure. Um, we've talked about the importance of brain health before. Um, I've had the opportunity to cover Jake. I just think he's a great human. And regardless, anyone who's dealing with this, this is scary, scary stuff. Sarah, first, your thoughts on the impact on the ice, but then more importantly, the impact to the person. Yeah, we need to talk about this way more. Um, Almost everybody I've gotten close with that has been an NHL player and has retired has told me that they have had serious issues with concussions that they didn't report at the time. There's pressure. There's Gary Bettman saying that concussions don't exist, whatever he says about it, that um, whatever you think about Alan Walsh, the um, agent to many players, the infamous Marc-Andre Fleury uh, sword, he really sticks up to Gary Bettman for this and advocates for his players. So definitely follow him if you want updates on that. But uh, I think as shitty as this is, it's great that Jake came out and said it. And it's great that CBJ is kind of letting, because it's reality that they try to pressure players into playing through things like this and you kind of have to advocate for yourself and only when you get kind of this senior status that Borachek has at this point can you feel comfortable speaking up sometimes there's been a few careers ruined by concussions that we don't even know about publicly so it's just horrible and that's when a lot of the times drug addictions start because then people give them pills and it's just a really horrible cycle that we need to bring more attention to. Shana, how does this, I mean, Columbus has been decimated by injuries. Jake has been out for a while already, but any thoughts on the impact on the ice? And of course, if you two have any thoughts on just the overall state of how we're able to treat or consider brain health injuries uh, with the NHL players. I think Sarah just nailed that completely. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, yes, it's a game and this is their jobs, but it's about their lives. And, you know, having a functioning brain is super important. So if you can do something to protect it, and if it means stepping aside for a bit, that's what you have to do. He needs to reassess, like, if it's worth playing this year or at all, especially this year when, like, it doesn't it doesn't matter for the Blue Jackets. And sometimes you have to wonder, like, does the fact that the Blue Jackets are out of it matter? You know, for some players that would, unfortunately. And it feels like Voracek knows himself and knows his body and knows that, like, no matter what, he can't play right now. So um, on the ice, I mean, it's lucky for them that they got Patrick Line back. So now... I guess the real focus is going to be how do they develop players? It's going to be players like Cole Sillinger. We're going to see, like, I'm sure get more key minutes. And it's going to be, you know, continuing on. What's the chemistry between Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine? And what can they do without Zach Wierenski? Who's going to step up in his place? So it's just figuring out everything at the same time and, you know, bottoming out probably for a top pick because I don't see this team doing much else. <laughs> well, we talked about uh, Washington being without a goalie. Another team that's going to be without a goalie is Vancouver. Uh, Thursday versus the Panthers, Thatcher Demko went down um, after I don't even know which goal it was. That was a loss for Vancouver. But what concerned me about that injury is you watch it, and when you see it from the front, you know, you see him, it looks like he grabs his side. But when you see the overhead angle, it actually, to me, my opinion, uh, and I didn't watch the broadcast live owning that, was that it looks like he actually grabs his hamstring or the back of his leg. 
And we know how significant that can be in terms of not just impact to a goaltender, but also being able to come back from that. So now Thatcher Demko out for six weeks per the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks just can't not be a storyline in some way, shape or fashion. Sarah, the Canucks have been kind of on the brink all year. Where, where are they now as a hockey team with Demko going? It hasn't been great this year, but where are they now? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, who can say at this point? I do think, I mean, even with the Canes a few years ago where it's like one goalie that is supposed to be the guy gets injured or whatever happens and then somebody else comes in from the AHL or some the backup comes in, like just has this insane run, either that's enough to get the other guy back to health or it becomes something more. And I mean, I could see, I don't really, who are they? Are they calling somebody up? Like, what is the protocol here? What are they doing? They have uh, Spencer Martin, who's been, like, sharing the crease with him. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see what he's got, and we'll go from there. Sarah, your delight. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) See it. Shane, the thoughts on Vancouver's goaltending situation. Does this, again, Demko hasn't been lights out this season like he was last year, or as strong as he was last year. Helping or hurting the Canucks and, and how much either way you choose? It, it doesn't, it can't help the Canucks because I feel like it was so important for them to take this time to get him back on track and get his confidence up. And I felt like he was kind of building back up to it after a really rough start. And they're lucky that Spencer Martin has been so good for them. So they have that in their back pocket. He's been starting a lot of games anyway. But, you know, getting Demko back on track was the priority. That's the most important thing to them having a chance this season. And if they can't have that, he's out for at least six weeks. And then there's the recovery time. And then who knows where his confidence is going to be then either. Um, The bigger question for me, though, is, you know, we're seeing a lot of goalies who started a shit ton of games last year. And we look at Markstrom, we look at Soros, we look at Demko, and they played a lot down the stretch. And you even look at Chesterkin, who never played a workload like that, and how they're starting this year. So I just think it's interesting, like, you know, gone are the days of those guys who are starting 80% of the games for the most part, except for, you know, some of these players last year. And now we're seeing either crappier play to start the year or maybe like injuries. So it's just something interesting to look at, I think. For sure, for sure. And uh, so that's six weeks for Vancouver. And as I mentioned, the team that they were playing was the Florida Panthers, who also can't seem to get a break, but they're winning. Um, They win in Vancouver. They actually come to Seattle, not already, not only already down um, Alex Barkov, but then they lose Anton Lundell before the game in Seattle on Saturday. And then in the game in Seattle on Saturday, Radko Gudis leaves the game, Patrick Hornquist leaves the game, and now Hornquist is on LTIR. The Panthers were already playing a skater down in that game in Seattle, and now they they won against the Kraken, down three skaters. Uh, good for them. But Shayna, the Panthers are like not even big cats right now. They're like, what, half a cat? They're a kitten. I don't even know. <laughs> they're, they're little, little rangoon. <laughs> they're all, they're <laughs> little rangoon. What, what do the Panthers do here first? from a roster perspective with all of these bodies out. Yeah, like they were down to what, 15 skaters because they started the game with 17? Like, Correct. That's wild. And I think that there is like an adrenaline that takes over in the game that probably helped them win. Like we all need to step up. It's like a collective attitude and players who don't get as many minutes get to. But like, and Barkov should be back soon. He was sick, so that's good for them. Um, losing Lundell for any extended period of time is really bad because he's been great down the middle. He has versatility. He's a great penalty killer. Um Off the bat, though, they get to put Hornquist on long-term IR, and that's going to benefit them from a cap perspective because now they don't need to make a trade to have the space for Anthony Duclair to return. And that's a good top six winger for them or even 
depending on how they like slot out everything, he could be middle six, I guess. I don't know. I have to think of their, I'm trying to think of their lineup. Like I would think he's top six, but I guess there's a chance he could be on the third line to start. But either way, like, you know, that's, that's a big get for them. Any more offensive pop? Cause like they're generating chances this year, but they're not finishing as well. So having Duclair back in the mix is great, but like they really do need to figure out a better solution long-term because while the Panthers are still a good team, they're not that same team as last year. And like, we can't always use last year as the example, but like that's the bar. They want it to be better than last year and go further. So that's what we're going to have to keep comparing to. Like, they still need help on the back end. Their goaltending still hasn't been perfect. The forward depth is okay, but it's still not what it was. So anytime they're going to pile up injuries, unless they get the cap considerations like they do for Hornquist, it's going to be a problem for them. Sarah, you watch the Atlantic a little more closely since you're in Boston right now. Florida is currently, as I look at this, 12 points behind Boston, who is first, obviously, in the division, has been just on it. They've lost three times. That's insane. Um, Period. <laughs> exactly. Um, but where, with this kind of stuff happening to Florida, and Shana's talked about, you know, this isn't last year's can- uh, Canes. Jeez, this isn't last year's Cats. Um, what are Florida's chances in this division? What are Florida's chances in the division, but also just to make the playoffs this year, do you think? Yeah, it's, I'm so interested to see what they do. Obviously, they can clear cap for um, Duclair with their $5.3 million cap hit Hornquist has. I wonder if they're going to be able to seek anything else outside. I, I'd love to see them get Carlson. Um, mm. But it's like they have $0, so I don't know. <laughs> it, it's a really tough predicament, and as Shana said, it's kind of like what are they going to do going forward? What is the sustainable future? It's They're kind of just – I don't know. And I saw this in Carolina too where you got geniuses like Eric Tulski where it kind of looks like you're questioning every second, what are they going to do next? What are they going to do next? And they figure it out. Um, I love – AGM in Florida, Paul Kropelka, and he used to be with the Canes too, helping Tulski over there. So I have faith that he might be able to do some bending to get things done. Um, he's a really interesting name, so I'd watch out for his moves. Uh, I think sometimes having this predicament can be a good thing for a team that is kind of lost. So we will, I mean, it's never a good thing that Hornquist is injured and has another concussion. And we're talking about that again. This guy has had a pretty long career and he's a net front presence and I hope he's okay and they don't rush him back. But if they don't rush him back, then they might be able to get some more help. Interesting. Sarah Sivian calling EK65 to the Florida <laughs> yeah, Panthers. Yeah. Well, I you like heard it here from the number one insider. Yeah. Did you suggest Carlson for Bob last episode? Yeah. Who says no? Yeah. <laughs> I say add, my spicy take is add like Lusterine into it, who I think is also a very good player. But if you have to choose a young guy to keep, it's going to be Lundell, I would think, over Lusterine. So add Lusterine in to Bob. Send him to San Jose for Eric Carlson and figure out a couple more dollars and cents to go back. Because you're not doing anything unless you get rid of Bob, which, good fucking luck. Yeah, seriously, though. No, like, only Arizona would take. Well, but doesn't Bob, Bob has a no move, no? Or Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That I think so. I think it's in a few years. Like, he, uh... everything kicks in to make this the worst contract ever. Like, every year there's something else. <laughs> and Eric Carlson oh, decides, too. Worse. Right. Like Carlson That's can true. say no to every, but who, if he's in his position and you're like, Hey, you can go to Florida, go well, off. Well, but also, well, let's, let's stick in that division. <laughs> um, a team that we were all pulling for the Ottawa senators have another blow. Uh, they sit currently last in the Atlantic. I still want to believe, although first of all, I didn't see it live either. Cause again, this is my life, but Shayna, was it you that retweeted the sweet poetic justice of the Claude Giroux goal? Gorgeous. At the end of that yeah. Game? 
And like, yeah, that so, was wild. And like the power play on the other end is like, when because I did not know what had happened. So when you tweet, I was like, oh, this is going to be about Carlson scoring against Ottawa, blah, 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 blah. And they had such a strong power play. And then for Claude Giroux to just go down and be like, bloop, was amazing. Yep. <laughs> and amazing. one player I think was without a stick on the yes. penalty kill, like the entire time. And I, I, it was, I was watching that game because I kept flipping between because, you know, the million seven o'clock. So I'm like, oh, this game's close. Right. And like, I love slap shots. I love them so much. Like my move, if I'm playing with my friends and being an idiot is like, I want to rip a slap shot as like a shootout <laughs> move. Like, I think that's like the perfect move. I don't, I don't care if it's a shootout. I want to see a slap shot, something just so random that everyone's like, did he really just do that? And it worked. So for all of that to end and they're skating up the ice and everyone yep. is so fucking gassed. It's like, yep. you're kind of like, you're just going to clear it down. And he just goes, you know what? Fuck it. And it works. Yep. It's like the goalie gets so stagnant sitting there watching his other team, watching his team just generate shots and gorgeous. Love it. No notes. Need that. Need <laughs> more of game. that. It was, and also, game. did you see the note too? Um, I think it was Luke Peristi who put out too, if you watch, like Tyler Mott actually positions that the broken stick that's on the ice. He actually like is keeps trying to position it to make it part of the penalty kill. Like, I, love him. I, I love, I love him. I love him. I love him, too. Love I him say, as a player. He's an ami- oh, I thought we were talking about Luke. I'm like, he's a great follow on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That too. No, I meant Tyler Mott. It's I think he's such a fun player, and I couldn't believe how long it took a team to sign him. And it, he's such a good get for Ottawa because he's very smart. And that was like you could see it. Like that was a very smart move to think of on the fly as you're killing a yeah. penalty because he's someone that's good at breaking the puck out on the penalty kill. Sarah, would you like to talk about Luke and what a great follow he is on Twitter? Okay, I love him and I love Erickson's burner, Louis yes. Erickson's burner account. That's it's not actually. This is a amazing, hilarious woman who's an Ottawa Senators fan, and she's just tweeting through this. So highly <laughs> recommend you follow those two people. So so that was the good side. The bad side, my friends, is that uh, one of their young talents, Artem Zub, was, took a puck to the jaw, and now ha- he's out three weeks to a month. First of all, not fun. That sucks. Um, but again, our poor little Ottawa Senators, who we all believed in, we were rooting for you. But now they're without one of their uh, young talents, Shayna, impact to the team, aside from the delightful finish to that game. Yeah, like if any, if Ottawa needs anything, it's defense. And Zub is one who's like a shutdown defense for a shutdown defenseman through and through. And I think this is a second injury this season. So they were already without him before. So it's going to be more minutes for others. And like you're going to see like Travis Hamannick play more minutes and nobody needs that. The good thing is like I think it's going to open up more opportunity for Brandstrom, who I think is better than he's gotten credit for this year. But they're very different players, and this is exactly what they need. Like, we should be talking about how Ottawa should trade for another defenseman, or I don't know, maybe change their coaches to have someone who could work on defensive strategy, because, you know, DJ Smith wasn't even good with defense back in Toronto, but because it affects the Leafs. But no, this is, this sucks for them. And any, any ground that they lose is, is a problem. Like, you don't, lo- what, what did you say? Like, you can't, lose a playoff spot right now, but you, you can't win a playoff spot right now, but you can, you can lose, lose one by one, falling yeah. so far behind. Yeah. And they've fallen so far behind, they can't afford anything else. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, we have... Do you have Sarah, did you have any more on Zub? No, it's just done for the Senators to me, unfortunately. <laughs> the Senators have been voted out. Their term is yeah. ended. Until Ryan Reynolds <laughs> buys them and brings yes. up the vibes. Yeah, This is a purely vibe season for the Senators. The math, the numbers, the everything. You're done for the year. <laughs> Well, there's one, unfortunately, more injury that we have to talk about. And this was announced uh, this morning. I don't know, time's a flat circle. Um, But Nashville announced that Ryan McDonough 
is now on IR for two to four weeks. Again, another upper body injury. We've said this before. I think we've even sold when we've wanted to talk about Nashville because I just don't know what to make of them. But Sarah, what are the vibes in Nashville? What is this team, what does this have to do with how they end up in terms of their on-ice product? They're, they're middling once again like they always do, and it's just kind of, oh, I mean, McDonough obviously makes an impact, um, but I don't, he's not out for long enough to have that make or break the season, and I don't think anything can break, make or break their season other than them deciding, like, okay, are we going to really go for this or are we going to – and I, you know what, like, I don't think it's the players on the ice in Nashville. I think it's just the way the roster is constructed right now. It's kind of like not good enough to be competitive in this league. Shayna. Yeah. McDonough. What like, are they? What are they? They are a very weird team. And it feels like they were kind of getting it together a little bit after a really bad start. And some of it was UC Saros playing better, you know, because goaltending can decide everything. Like McDonough is just someone who can absorb a lot of, a lot of minutes. You know, at this point, he can play the tough minutes, he can play in his own zone, he can kill penalties, things like that, which is helpful to have. But like Sarah said, his injury isn't what's going to hurt this team. It's the roster construction. It hurts when you have maybe three players who can carry the puck into the zone. And usually it's not even, you know, that's a forwards job. And Roman Yossi is doing it more than most. It's Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, and a player like Nino can do that too. But like, they really... I like their offseason moves because I think getting McDonough was good for them. I think getting Niederreiter was good for them. But those are supplemental pieces. Those are supporting players. And the core is Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, UC Saros. It's a good core to have, but you need a little bit more meat around that. And they just don't have it. So, I mean, they're a team I think for years should have been the ones to look in the mirror and go, you know, we're not that good this year. We're going to step back. We're going to trade a player. We're going to get a couple pieces back. We're going to make a couple moves and that'll be fine. And instead, like, Saros is like, I'm going to drag this team to the playoffs. And they're like, we're all in. Let's fucking rip. And it's like, it's going to end as the if, same way. As if that's sustainable, right? I yeah. think they should have bit on some of the Forsberg rumors and some of the um, deals there were really good. And they could have had more sustainable future if they went all in then. It's tough. Yep. One final bit of news. Um, and it's funny, whenever this player does something, I'm always like, you know, this is a guy who we probably don't like. He's a superstar, but not in a superstar way. Right. Like he never he's, he doesn't get, in my opinion, he's not ever mentioned like a Crosby or like that. But let's give a little shine to Steven Stamkos. A thousand career points last week. Um, a lot of people are focusing on a lot of the big, big, big things this guy has had to come back from. Blood clots, missing huge chunks of his career to not insignificant injuries. But again, I mean, the captain of the Lightning, I feel like he maybe doesn't get as much. There's so many stars on that team, right? And But he maybe doesn't get as much of the big spotlight as maybe some of the other players that accomplish the kind of things he does. Shayna, how significant is it for Steven Stamkos to hit 1,000 points? It's huge. He really has become like the franchise leader in every regard. And you look at Stamkos and he's also vying for 500 goals. And that's something he's probably gonna hit this year. And it's funny he hits the 1,000 point mark <clears throat> first because if you look at his career, we think of him as a, you know this elite sniper and you know a shooter and look at him from his office on the one timer. like. His favorite goals, we did, uh, Joe Smith and I for his NHL 99, like, Joe asked him what his favorite goals, and it's not even one from his office, and it's the bigger plays he makes and how he scored goals differently, and then we looked at it, and if you asked anyone around the team about him, they don't just talk about Steven Stamkos, the goal scorer, it's the evolution of Steven Stamkos, and it's how he became a better playmaker, and how 
people expect him to shoot and the fact that he can, you know, set up his teammates really well. That's why he's hit, you know, the thousand point mark before the 500 goal mark. We've seen in recent years his scoring start slanting a little more evenly or even assist being more of his point total. And then you talk about the rest of his game and how he evolved into a leader for them and the shot blocking and, you know, more emphasis on defense and everything like that. And I think the run in the bubble really put that on display. Like when he was injured and he came off the bench to score the one goal and he sat on the bench and, you know, was coaching his teammates. Like that's the guy he is. So he definitely belongs in that superstar category. Sarah, am I underestimating how much the hockey community appreciates Steven Stamkos? Is he appropriately recognized and honored? And is this just one more feather in his cap? I think he's somebody that we are not going to be able to properly evaluate until his career is over. I do think for me, it said it all the way that he played that one shift in the playoffs and got a goal. And then I I don't know, I think it said more about his off ice stuff. He's always been kind of quiet. I wish we knew a little bit more about him. And part of that is just the market that he plays in too. But I feel like I should know more about him as somebody that is a huge part and a captain of a dynasty. So I can't wait to hear like more stories, but I think probably that's part of the magic, right? To his teammates that he's such a good leader that we rarely hear a peep about him. I don't know. (laughs) Well, we have another topic on here um, that we were going to just put under our hockey topics, but I am making an executive decision and pushing this onto, unfortunately, our shit list. Because... When we can, we put this player on the shit list because reasons. Folks, Jordan Binnington is at it again. Uh, This guy is redefining in all the wrong ways how a goaltender should play. Most recently, he gets a double minor versus the Pittsburgh Penguins in a loss, four goals against, a 10-minute misconduct after being pulled. Um, His coach has gone now on the record with Craig Berube saying, quote, it's got to stop. It doesn't help anything. Just play goal. Stop the puck. I think he thought his antics were cute. I think he could get away with them when his team was winning and when he was playing well, but that is not the case now. I'm putting him on the shit list. Sarah, do you agree with me putting him on the shit list? And what is the case with Jordan Bennington? What do we do with this guy? Yeah, you know how much it takes for a coach to publicly come out against a goaltender? Um, There's a lot of psychological stuff going on there, especially coaches that aren't goalie coaches or didn't play in goal. Um, They want to always defend a goalie, even if they don't agree, because it's like bad vibes, whatever. But that is a pretty big statement. I think he he did say at the beginning of the season he was going to get it together and he was mature and he was done. But it's just, oh, my God. They've had admittedly a really weird season, but this is what happens. Literally, it's not going to make it better. It's making everything significantly worse. You're making yourself the butt of jokes. And it's concerning that you can't control yourself, honestly. Shayna, walk us through what happened on the ice. And just, again, the curious case of Jordan Bennington. Is this even a player that the Blues should keep putting out? I mean, he's under contract, of course, and there are those kind of considerations. But if all things were equal and there were no consequences, would you keep playing this player on the ice? No, absolutely not. And this is why like, it looks so bad that they had to let Huso walk because they already signed Bennington to a contract that at the time, I don't think he deserved. Like, I don't think he earned that huge contract that he got. It was, what, six by six. And it was immediately like you knew this is going to become a problem. Like, 
credit to him. When he came up to the NHL and they went on that run, yes, their defense was really good at times, and he played behind, like, a low-event team for a lot of that playoff run. But, like, he was very good. But since then, it's what have you done? And then you get to it's like, what have you done for me lately? And he's had one good playoff run since then when he took over last year. But you look at it against Pittsburgh, and it's so unnecessary. The game is in reach, and you decide to come out of your net for Jason, with Jason Zucker and be an asshole for literally no reason. And then when you allow that fourth goal against, of course Zucker's going to, like, taunt you because you were an asshole for absolutely no reason. And then he gets the misconduct on the way out. Like, my this whole season, I kept looking at it, and I'm like, I really wonder what his teammates think of him. Because at a certain point, you go from he's trying to fire us up and he's out there battling for us to he's a distraction, and now he's pulling himself out of games that he shouldn't be because... I don't even know what reason. I, I don't I don't understand it. I feel like it's just become so unhinged this year. And it's a problem when you see clips like this constantly. And I tweeted about this Saturday. I've seen more clips of him doing stupid shit versus any highlight. Like, I watch them enough that I'll see it, like, in-game. But, like, the clips you see circulating are this, never his play. I yep. have seen maybe one good save from him get, like, circulated. And it's like, what does that tell you? I do have to check myself sometimes and be like, okay, I don't want to come off like Fox News, shut up and dribble, like shut up and yeah. stomp the puck, Ugh. like just because I don't <laughs> like him. Like, yeah. I think it is such, a, it does just reflect on the inconsistency of this team though, that that you look to the goalie to provide a semblance of consistency, even if he's not playing well. It's like, right, you still get like a little stick tap and it's like, okay, let me get back in the game here. It's okay, guys. We got this. We got this. And that is, like, just not happening here. Um, like, what is this? The Federal League? Is he going to do a goalie <laughs> fight? I don't know. Like, I just don't... It's not... I'm all for the antics, but I'm not for the... I don't know. I, I, you got to back like, it up with your play. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, and he's not like the Brad Marchand for the... Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And he's not the reason that they went on losing streaks and things like that. Like, the offense was bad. The defense was bad. He wasn't great either. It's not like their season is his fault, but he hasn't been as good either. And I don't want to, I hate holding a player up to their contract because like if a team offered you $6 million, you're an idiot to say no. You, right. you, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I blame the team for that one, but like you're the number one goalie. And this year there was a bigger responsibility put on him. There's no who to back you up. You have Thomas Grace, who at this point is purely a backup goalie. That is it. They're going, this is, this is your net. You earned it in the, the postseason. This is yours. Be the backbone of our team. That's what it would tell me if, like, you went from you lost your starting goal and then you played well, earned it back, like, and now there's a pure backup behind you, not a 1B, which hasn't been the case. 100%. This is how you respond? 100%. Like, you're taking yourself out of these games. Like, the other day, the hit with Jordan Stahl, like, you made a mistake and went, oh fuck it, I'm just going to go for a hit, and then you I end know. up looking stupid for it. It's a distraction for your team. Absolutely. Like, dude, do you not know who Jordan Stahl is? <laughs> like, what is the thought process there? Oh, I can't I don't play there. The, is I one. screwed up. Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm going to do to distract from it. Like, he needs a sports psychologist. Guys period. Yeah, Legit. he really does. Legit. The big Legit. loser energy is dragging yeah. his game down, and I'm, I'm honestly glad the coach finally said something because yeah. it's like you can't defend it, and you can come out of your net and be an asshole and swipe at people's ankles. We've seen that shit before. You can do that, but you can't You can't be sucking like this and just being a distraction for your team. That game against Pittsburgh, when he took, when he went up, when he hit 
Jason Zucker originally, the game was not out of reach. The Blues right. could have come back in that. They've come back from those games before. They did it last week against Florida. It just all, I felt like he was out of it at that point. So I feel like he's been here before. I feel like he'll be here again. But Jordan Bennington. Probably. Enjoy your place on the shit list. All right, we have a, we have a couple uh, hockey topics to get to here before we uh, wrap up our show. Um, gosh, this is kind of a depressing show as I look at our topics, guys. There's so much happening. Um, it's funny. I actually texted this to Shayna at one point, and and now it's actually a thing. Um, what the hell is wrong with the Rangers? Um, <laughs> it it doesn't make any. I mean, I guess it does make some sense, but. It's surprising to me to see what's happening to them and what's going on. And now it's rising to the point where the narratives are starting to take over, right? So there were some quotes from Gerard Gallant um, and Data and using different data than th- than what maybe other people are able to look at. Um, Truba has had two fights in two games, um, tried to fire up his bench by yelling at them. And then, of course, the quote from Andreas Athanasiu, uh, this was reported by Ben Pope, uh, who does work out of Chicago. The quote was about Truba and his hit. He's an $8 million man with zero goals. So he has to figure out how to do something when making that much. If you can't help the team, I guess you try to hurt guys on the other team. So now the narratives are taking over, my friends. Shayna, this is a team that maybe you you don't like that you watch so closely right now. What the hell is wrong with the Rangers? There's a lot wrong. Like, so the first month of the season, they were playing well, but they didn't get the results. Right. And it feels like they started changing things instead of sticking with it and hoping things would kind of click. And there's nothing wrong with making tweaks, but the tweaks they made were questionable. And now you see everything trending in the wrong direction. So the quotes today about the data, it's really interesting because most coaches are not going to tell you what the data is and what our numbers say. We know it's different from what the public sees. If you work with a company like SportLogic, you're going to get 4,000 rows of data a night versus what the NHL.com is going to, you know, the NHL sheet's going to give you. It's completely different. We know that. And then teams take that data and they build models off of it. So it's always going to look different. So I understand when a coach deflects away from it saying, we can't have a conversation saying this line's better based on the public because our information's different. But the way that the Rangers did it today felt like them saying, we're dismissing this conversation and this is the easier way to deflect our way out of it versus saying, we're not using the data to make decisions and we know the top six, you know, the numbers say the top six was better the other way. We're not using it to inform our decisions clearly because we're not putting it back that way. And it just feels like the stubbornness of Gallant that has cost him in his career before, his previous tenures, is continuing to bite him. And I remember when he got hired, I talked to someone uh, from a team and they said, you know, he can optimize a lineup really well, but he's not a talent evaluator and he thinks he is. And you can see some of the lineup decisions, you know, they're losing games because they're not scoring and Vitaly Kraftsov sitting on the sidelines while guys like Ryan Carpenter and Sammy Blair getting 100 chances. And that's, that's it right there. You're evaluating the talent that should be in the lineup. So... It's just, it's bad on them from that respect. And with the Truba stuff, it's the conversation of, do you help or hurt your team when you play hurt? And he's been hurt. And Gallant said weeks ago, you know, he's a warrior. He has the playoff mentality. It's fucking November. These games should not matter that much that you're playing through them. Because one, if you don't heal from your injury, you're dragging it out. Two, play that way in May. We're not even having, you know what I mean? Like if you're helping the team, he's not helping the team. He's one of their worst players on the back end, one of their worst mainstay players, I would say, of any skater. It's a problem. So I get he's trying to fire up the bench because against Chicago, 
every, the vibes were off. You could see everyone like look lifeless on the bench and I get him trying to fire up the team by flinging his helmet and yelling at them. And maybe you can get a spark that way. Maybe if I was the coach, I would have called a timeout right there and gathered the team and like our, our captain's battling for us. And you could pull whatever bullshit you want and be like, we need to step the fuck up now. We need to get out there. We need some pop. This is a team on an eight game losing streak. They're not ending it to us. And you try to rally the troops and that didn't happen. It just felt like there's not a lot going on there. So they need to really figure their shit out soon. Sarah, do you have thoughts on the Rangers? Uh, I think the most glaring concern for me is their lack of being able to string wins together, right? Like you like to look at the patterns and over the course of this month, they've only had a two-game win streak once and I know more than that. So it's kind of like you, they need to pull together like a really long win streak right now or at least win three, lose one, win three again, lose one. It's just not happening that way and that's a concerning pattern for the future they really gotta recorrect that for their own confidence folks this has all been very depressing um (laughs) we will give a shout out that uh Another depressing headline, the Kraken win streak comes to a close uh, at the hands of the depleted Florida Panthers, as we talked about. They won seven straight um, before that loss, uh, which is a franchise record. Yay, Kraken. We're happy about that. And uh, we also just want to give a shout out. Uh, this is awkward. I hate talking about s- myself. Um, we had Seahack. No. We had Seahack. Se- we had Seahack yeah. this weekend, my friends. And uh, it was great. Um, it was actually the second Seahack ever to happen. Um, Allison, it, sorry, what is Seahack? Some yes, of us like that yeah. aren't in analytics are like, what is this thing? Well, well, Sarah, you are our analytics expert. You it's know. It's true. <laughs> Inform the rest of the masses. <laughs> <laughs> so see, it's the Seattle uh, Hockey Analytics Conference. And it was just really awesome. We had a ton of speakers come from near and far. Micah Blake McCurdy, I think, took two and a half days to get here, and it's going to take him two and a half days to get back to Nova Scotia. But um, it was so great. And as I reflect on it, what was the best part is that the Kraken fan community is already burgeoning with analytical minds. And so it was really cool to have people who've been established in this community for forever come and just kind of help feed that system and educate people who maybe didn't know a ton or help honor the people who are doing the work here in Seattle and kind of see that connection happen. We had 30 attendees from other NHL teams here as well. And Alex Mandrecki and Namita Nandakumar and Danny Chu were awesome um, in making sure that all happened as well. And Namita and Danny were my two co-MCs. They were perfect per usual, but um, it was just a really, really great weekend. We're going to hopefully have the record. The recordings are up on YouTube now, but we're going to hopefully like snip them up so you can find different talks. And we had Ron Francis on a panel. I had to moderate that one. That wasn't nerve wracking at all. Um, Please (laughs) don't fire me. (laughs) Please don't fire me, boss. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Seahack happened this weekend and we were, we're really thankful and thank you to everyone who helped make it happen. And thank you to everyone who paid attention to it and special shout out. She won't listen to this, but my colleague, Marissa Simmons was an integral part of making it all go down. So she's, she's amazing. Um, so if you know her, thank her and congratulate her. Um, but we wanted to take Seahack and extend it over to how we end every show. And that is our very standard game of fuck, marry, kill. Often imitated, never duplicated <laughs> in honor of Will Fields, one of our presenters who gave a nod to Fuck, Mary Kill and Too Many Men by implementing his own game um, at Seahack. We're going to do Will's game. 
uh, this this episode. And what Will introduced, uh, his twist on Fuck, Mary Kill. So this is the only endorsed twist. This is the only Too Many Men endorsed twist on our game that we started. Um, today, my friends, the game is, are you ready? Trade, extend, buyout. All right. And in honor of the conundrum that is the Vancouver Canucks, here are our three candidates. Shayna, you're going to go first. Are you ready? Here we go. Trade, extend, buyout, JT Miller, Bo Horvat, Brock Besser. Go. Okay. I'm going to extend Brock Besser because I do think he's a part of their young core. You look at it, it's Hughes, Pedersen, and Besser. Those are the three you think of. Those are the three you commit to. Those are the three that you need to develop and make sure they are your stars. Um, I will say buyout for Horvat, Horvat because I don't think he should stay there. Uh, obviously, his contract's coming to a close. I think he should go somewhere else, whether it's via trade, via free agency. I don't think it makes sense for them to extend him unless they trade JT Miller, who I think they should have traded last year. I think that they can get a bunch of assets. They need to get his stock up a little bit more, though. But I think he's a player that I would love to see it's it's like you don't see it often like the beginning of a contract i want to see them make some like really bold move and be like here's a cost controlled asset let's see what we can get for him okay i know i'm really struggling with this one okay. because i do i kind of think because besser has been a part of that young core that hasn't worked out he probably mm. has to go and you can unleash him for some cap flexibility i think that would be best, but I he's not going to get a big return, so I'm struggling with that. Um, I don't think you need buying him out would be really dramatic too. So I think, oh, it's just really hard. Um, I, I think you're going to get. I think you should buy out JT Miller just because of the price. Um, you could probably get a better return than you would get for Besser, but at the same time, you get more money back. Um, so we're going to buy out JT. We're going to trade Brock and we're going to extend Bo. I he's having a great season. He's the captain. He is a good guy, good vibes. I think he could help usher in a new era. Excellent. Excellent. I agree, Sarah. That's my Ooh. logic. Okay. I like your as I heard your answers, I like them better than my own too. I'm yeah, like, well, I, this I'm, is hard. It is hard, but also, like, I just like the idea of buying out JT Miller just because, <laughs> like, right. I feel like that's the proper move is him not there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So there we go. That's my. That's and either my, way, you buy him out or have to trade him at this point, you sh you're screwing yourself from what you could have done a year 100%. ago. They signed him a year early. You didn't even, like, right? They, at he, they could, team could have had him for two playoff runs had they traded him, and you would have gotten a lot back. They chose not to. So now it's like you're burning yourself either way you handle the situation. 100%. 100%. All right, my friends. Well, that is our Monday episode. We will be our Tuesday. You'll get it Tuesday. It's Monday, but we're recording on. This is how tired I am from this weekend. It's been insane. Um, we will be back with you on Thursday with another Chock-A-Block episode. Until then, you can always follow the latest happenings on Twitter. Please find us there at two underscore much underscore man. You can buy merch. Where, Shana? Online. On a oh. website. <laughs> Online, you can find you can find the links. <laughs>
um, in our bio and on our website, the too many men um, We will be back at you. We want to hear from you. Always send your nominations for fuck, Mary kill. Tell us the topics you want to hear about. Tell us what we got right. Don't tell us what we got wrong and don't tell us you don't like how we look on YouTube. We don't want to hear it uh, until we talk again. My friends do something to make sure that hockey is in fact for everyone and do something kind for someone else. Talk to you again soon. Love you. Bye.